Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. All right. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Erin. How you doing? Oh, fantastic. It's actually a nice little Wednesday morning. Well, hot, but you know, what isn't nice. it this time of the year? How are you? Please. Everything's good? Everything's good? Oh, yeah. Nothing crazy out there in... No complaints. That's good. Too crazy. Yeah. I didn't see too many car wrecks yesterday, which was good. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if they were listening, but. uh, Yeah. I I still can't figure out what was wrong with traffic the other day. It was just random. Yeah. Random madness. Anyway. Good morning to everyone. We've got some uh, headlines for you this morning including uh, the unfortunate recovery of a 54-year-old visitor um, uh, yeah, in East End yesterday. I think we mentioned that he'd gone missing the evening before, and um, they found him on Barefoot Beach, which is uh, oh, wow. to the area that he went missing, yes. Mm. So send our condolences um, to his family. Um, quite an unfortunate situation. This is our second water-related death in two weeks. Well, yeah. Oh, wow. That's right. That's mm-hmm. soon. I mean, I guess, you know, when all the visitors who come back and we don't, you know, you don't know the health and health of their heart or whatever has happened when they get into difficulties out there. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And in other uh, regional news this morning, the um, there was a horrific incident in Jamaica yesterday that the prime minister spoke about in terms of crime. So a mother and her four children were killed in an unfortunate, um, I mean, we don't have all the details yet, but it seems like by her own cousin, uh, their bodies were found in Clarendon and the prime minister of Jamaica made a statement that this was one of the most horrific crimes that he had seen in a really long time. And so, um, you know, he was just uh, pleading the community to try to do better and I suppose settle whatever the disputes they have without violence being involved. That's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the youngest I think was a couple, like 23 months or so up to. Yep. And a little bit more, um, upbeat news. We have the Cayman Islands, uh, girl pageantry winners for 2022, 21 contestants competed this year and Sorry, the winner is actually off to Orlando, Florida this July. So congratulations to the six young ladies, starting from the baby category all the way up uh, to teen, to Miss uh, Teen. Um, mm-hmm. Wait, the baby category? Yeah, they have the cutest little baby. What? I know. She's just one year old, but she's so cute. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> she's got a little pageant dress. Here comes Honey Boo Boo. That's all I think about because I remember that <laughs> So congratulations to uh, those young ladies who competed and have now placed and will be traveling next month to Orlando to compete in the um, the international and regional component of that competition. So yeah, good luck to them. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And um, my apologies, there's something else I was going to tell you, Erin. <laughs> What else is going so, on? I know there's just so much, so much going on. Yeah. Um, so um, the there's I don't know if you remember this story, but there's a Jamaican cop a few months back who left his child in a car. Do you remember this? And the baby died. Yeah, unfortunately, I yeah. saw that on your. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, 
you know, the DPP's office has decided to charge him with the death of the child, which is a little bit unusual. So he's being charged with manslaughter. Well, hmm. his fault. You left the kid in the car. Yeah, but normally it's just an unfortunate accident. And we've had How that. An unfortunate accident that you just forget about your child in the car. Well, you know, um, I mean, listen, I get it. I've been a tired mom, been there, done that, but I've never forgotten my child in the car. Yeah. Appar apparently it is a thing. I, 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 I get uh, it. I, I listen. It just, I, think, I think it's when you have to travel long distances. Like here in Cayman, we don't normally travel very far. So it's probably a lot easier to, to stay present and in the moment. But it normally happens when you have to travel long distances and it's the parent who isn't used to being responsible for the child who, you know, like, oh, take the baby today sort of thing. There's mm -hmm. actual, there's been quite a bit of research into how this happens yeah. and it's not just the parent being careless. It's, it's actually a psychological thing. We forget the baby. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. I don't know, but it's a sad situation. Um, last couple of days, Globe Bar on Mary street, uh, has been having a lot of police presence, uh, both night before last and the night before that. And the last incident, um, the police showed up and they had to use uh, pepper spray. Except when they deployed the pepper spray, they ended up spraying themselves as well. Oh, wait. So, <laughs> allegedly, because the police have not said anything about this incident, but our sources who were there said, yes, they used the pepper spray, but they didn't particularly use it very well. <laughs> I mean, it's like when yeah. someone tases themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, so I don't know if there was a, I don't know if there was like wind, <laughs> a wind factor oh, okay. in the in, bar. In the bar? Yeah. Like maybe maybe a fan or something, AC unit. I don't know, but somehow they ended up getting some of the side spray onto themselves. Oh, that's. I mean, that's understandable. If all of a sudden, yeah, no. <sighs> this is why. Yeah, I'd probably spray myself too. So I'm not going to judge. <laughs> Yeah, big, uh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Big shout out to the Cayman Islands Regiment as they continue their nine day deployment exercise mm -hmm. uh, in West Bay. And on Friday, they're actually going to be heading out to the Eastern District. So they've been doing a lot of training, um, simulating, you know, an exercise where they're basically living out in the elements to see what it's like. They've got their little packets of um, survival gear. And uh, yeah, so we're going to actually join them on sat on friday morning and then on saturday they're they're having a little event as well to wrap up the nine days oh so good stuff those are your I mean, news headlines this morning preparing for hurricane season if something happens yeah, they can be yeah. out there deployed and already know how to be out there and you know help everyone else before and stay outside so cool absolutely all right. So well, you enjoy. Go heading over to Bo Bobo 89. Yes. So head Thank over you, there to your show and I'll see you on the Thursday show already. I know. Right. Where's the time going? <sighs> summertime. I know. Right. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a good one. All right, folks. It is indeed summer. We've got a few minutes left before we're going to kick off live on Bobo 89.1. So let me just play some lovely music for you by way of the national song. And then uh, we got lots going on this morning that we'll be jumping into.
sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning. <clears throat> My apologies and happy Wednesday. Um, it is Wednesday, right? Yes. Somebody was just saying to me it's Thursday. Um, yeah. Good. Mo- good morning, everyone. Somebody just threw me off. They're like, "Ah, it's Thursday." I'm like, uh, "Is it?" Don't y'all be confusing me now. It's too early in the morning. Easily confused. So it actually is Hump Day Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Hope that you guys are doing fantabulous. Good morning, Cayman. Rise and shine. I see um, a lot of people commenting um, about um, the Caymans. I saw somebody in one of these uh, social media groups. They're like, you know, I really hate when someone says the Caymans because I've visited about two times and even I know better. I'm an expert already. You don't say the Caymans. It's the Cayman Islands. I'm like, yeah, you get it, girl. Um, <laughs> good morning to everyone. What a beautiful day. How blessed are we? Let us see. Ms. Vernita is here. She's feeling very blessed. She said, may God bless you um, <clears throat> and blessings to others. Ms. Rita is here. Buenos dias, Ms. Rita. So good to see you. Irvalyn says, good morning, everyone back home in the Cayman Islands. Not the Caymans. It's a beautiful day here today. Very hot out. Um, where are you, Irvin? Sounds like you're not in the Caymans. <laughs> Mental illness is tuned in. Good morning. Carmelie says, good morning. Happy Wednesday. Marshall, good morning to you. Diamond Princess has got it locked. Olivia's here. Felicia, good morning. Aliano says, good morning to all. I'm still reeling from the murder news in Jamaica. We're going to talk about that. Oh, my God incredibly sad uh morning to steven oh excuse me Irvelyn is in london this morning hmm. she took a proper vacation a proper trip all the way to london my goodness so are you having some crumpets and tea this morning do tell what's in your teacup uh daisy good morning buenos dias como estas um, so yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything this morning. There's just been so much going on in the news. So I tell you what, before we, um, before we kick it off, let us go ahead and, um, uh-huh. let us go ahead and, uh, send out, um, our news report from Misha. See what Misha had to say, uh, this morning as well.
Hello and welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger and thank you for joining us. Officers responded to a report of an armed robbery on Martin Drive, Georgetown, shortly after 4 a.m. on Monday, 20th June. The man brandished a firearm, demanded cash from the victim, and fled the location. No shots were fired during the incident and no injuries were reported. The suspect was wearing a long-sleeved gray shirt, a gray hat, and had his face covered. The matter is currently under investigation and anyone who may have seen the incident or have any other information is encouraged to contact Georgetown CID at 949-4222. An elderly woman aged 84, Phyllis Parchment, that was involved in a collision on 11th June in Georgetown succumbed to her injuries on 16 June at the hospital. Officers responded to a collision at the Butterfield Roundabout shortly before 3.40 p.m. involving a gray Toyota Vitz and a white Honda CRVX. Emergency services attended the location and Ms. Parchment was hospitalized. The driver of the Toyota was uninjured while the passenger complained of pain and sought medical attention. The collision is currently under investigation and police are encouraging anyone who may have witnessed the incident to contact the Georgetown Police Station at 949-4222 or the Traffic and Roads Policing Unit at 649-6254. A 30-year-old woman from Georgetown was arrested following a hit-and-run on Sunday, 19th June. Police and other emergency services were dispatched to a report of a two-vehicle collision involving a motorcycle and a motorcar that took place on Crew Road just before 9.30 p.m. The woman that was involved reportedly fled the location following the collision. A search was conducted to find the Georgetown woman and she was later arrested and bailed pending further investigation. Witnesses are encouraged to provide information by calling the Georgetown Police Station at 949-4222 or the Traffic and Roads Policing Unit at 649-6254. Anonymous tips can be provided directly to the RCIPS via the confidential tip line on 949-7777 or their website rcips.ky. RCIPS reported rise in the number of sextortion cases over the last two months. Cases which are usually linked to the sharing of indecent images on social media platforms such as Facebook. RCIPS is advising against sharing indecent images of themselves. My apologies. For some reason, I'm noticing that that's actually old news. So let me cue up the correct news for today, the 22nd of June. Hello and welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger and thank you for joining us. In less than a week, officers responded to a second report of a water-related death. A 54-year-old U.S. citizen set out to snorkel in the vicinity of the Wyndham Reef Resort off Austin Connolly Drive and was reported missing a few hours later. Cayman Islands Coast Guard vessels and the RCIPS helicopter were deployed to conduct searches of the water, land and along the shoreline. The searches were called off just before 7 p.m. on 20th June and resumed at 5 a.m. on 21st June. Shortly before 8 a.m., the missing man was found unresponsive on the shore of the Queens Highway in East End on June 21st. 
Emergency services attended the location and he was subsequently pronounced deceased. The matter is under investigation. A house fire was reported early morning on 21st June in East End. Official report of the incident is yet to be released. Meanwhile, the family is seeking assistance from the members of the public and has requested a 20-foot container to store their remaining items until the home can be repaired. Congratulations to these young winners in their respective age divisions of the Cayman International Girl Pageant 2022. The pageant was held at the Harkale Theatre on May 14th. The ladies now prepare for the international competition representing the Cayman Islands in Orlando, Florida this July. To support or assist with sponsorship, contact Cayman State Director at 325-6006. Let's hear from Kevin Wattler for updates on Cayman's weather. Hello Cayman, I'm Kevin Wattler and this is your CMR weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 548, today a few passing clouds, it will heat up to the mid to high 80s, winds northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour, and the sun sets at 706. At nighttime, winds east-northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour, and the temperature falls to the upper 70s. Today's high tide at 517 a.m., and low tides at 11.51 a.m. and 6.36 p.m. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected, and with the days being so hot, please stay hydrated and limit too much direct sun exposure if you can. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Have a great day. Thank you, Kevin, for those updates. In regional news, police in Jamaica are processing a vicious murder scene of a 31-year-old woman and her three school-aged children, including a 23-month-old toddler in Clarendon, Jamaica. The police earlier named a 23-year-old Rashane Barnett as a person of interest in this case. Prime Minister Andrew Holness addressing the Clarendon massacre said that it is the most gruesome crime that he can recall in recent time. The matter remains under investigation. A police detective has been charged with manslaughter by Jamaica's Director of Public Prosecution. Detective Sergeant Sheldon Dobson, attached to the Black River Police Station in St. Elizabeth, reportedly forgot his one-year-old daughter in his car in January on the station compound between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. The infant, who was found in the vehicle unconscious, was rushed to the Black River Hospital, where she was pronounced deceased during treatment. In international news, the world's largest gambling hub, Macau, has closed most businesses after dozens of locally transmitted cases of the coronavirus were discovered over the weekend. Casinos have been allowed to remain open. However, analysts say their bottom line will still be hit as the government has urged residents not to visit entertainment venues. Macau's government relies on casinos for more than 80% of its income, with most of the population employed directly or indirectly by the casino industry. CMR is inviting businesses to sponsor our Hurricane Special Edition with host Kevin Wattler. Reach out to CMR sales team today to find out more and secure your spot to promote your business on CMR platforms. For more in-depth news and headlines, please visit our website, caymanmallroad.com. Tune into The Cold Hard Truth with Sandy Hill, Monday to Friday at 7.30 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube and Radio Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger. Please do not drink and drive and stay safe. 
All right, folks. Um, thank you so much to Misha and Kevin for your daily news and weather reports. Uh, thank you, Wee for joining us this morning. Irvlin had a good little chuckle. Miss Bonnie is joining us from East End. Celine says, good morning, Sandy. Um, good morning, Cayman. Personally, I don't mind people calling us the Caymans. <laughs> yeah, that's an insult to Caymanians. <laughs> Every Caymanian's like, it's not the Caymans. Like, you got to say it right. Um, a Caymanian would never say that they don't mind that, Celine. Just FYI. Uh, Kimmy says, good morning, Sandy, and her beautiful Cayman Islands. There you go. Have a safe and blessed day. Irvlin did the palm face. She's like, ugh. Don't call it the Caymans. Good morning, Miss Sue. Good morning to the beautiful Miss Iva. How are you guys doing? Let's kick off the show. 93626 is the telephone number. That's 936-BOBO. How are you guys feeling on this beautiful Wednesday? I'm good. I feel like I went to bed like maybe half an hour early last night. And can I tell you, every little minute counts. I still wake up like three, four times, but every little minute counts. So I'm aiming I was actually looking at my sleeping patterns from this watch that like monitors everything I do. And so I'm averaging five hours and 16 minutes of sleep, which is not enough by any stretch of the imagination. Even I know that. Um, I think I should be pushing for at least seven or eight hours at my age. Um, so I'm really going to be trying to do better. Um, I'm not really sure what the plan is yet, but I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do better, but I got to tell you that a lot of times if I go to bed too early, like if I'm in bed by 10 o'clock, I don't really end up sleeping particularly well. And I think maybe the brain just, you know, I've got to find a better way of trying to shut down my brain and just let it, uh, relax a little bit more. But yes, that's, that's my, that's where I'm at in terms of my sleep. So I was kind of looking at some of the stats last night um, on this phone. I thought, huh, five hours and 16 minutes, I don't think is enough. So I'm going to work on it. I think there, there are things that we can work on. And don't forget, I got my 50 by 50 plan where I'm supposed to be losing 50 pounds in the next year plus. And I haven't really started yet. Uh, yeah, I keep talking about it, but... That's as far as I've gotten. So anybody else have resolutions and plans that they're just not accomplishing? Tell me. Um, good morning to Miss Bula. Good morning, Natasha. So let's talk about some of the things that are making headlines both uh, here in the Cayman Islands and regionally. It broke my heart yesterday to see uh, this story in Jamaica about this mother who, along with her four children, was were brutally killed. And then when I heard that she was actually brutally killed by her own cousin, uh, I thought, what the hell? Somehow that made it that much worse um, to think that a family member could have done this. I don't even, I don't even get it. I'm just like, why? Why would you take the life of four? Uh, beautiful children. Like, I, I just don't even understand. I have to tell you that it's difficult for me to work my brain around how this happened. So early yesterday morning, just about right after the show ended, we were getting some news alerts that there's something breaking in the Clarendon area of Jamaica. 
and come to find out um, they had found, they discovered a mother with her four children ranging in age from 15 years old all the way down to, I think the baby was 23 months, but there was, there was something about the news report that was a little bit confusing uh, to me because it said that one was um, a year old and then you had a 23 month old. I'm like, that can't be, that can't be right. Cause um, a year is 24 months. Right. So I thought mm, somebody probably got the ages of the last two kids wrong, but uh, one was not in school yet. So he would have been quite young. And then the other one um, was a little bit older. So of course her mother is devastated saying that, um, you know, she, she just, I mean, she was at the scene and she did a, um, oh, she did a, a little response and it was just like, oh my God. So we have, um, the mother was 31 years old. They said that she wanted to be um, a nurse. And then we have um, the children again, ranging um, in age all the way from, it looks like about 15, all the way down to 23 months old. Um, I haven't quite heard exactly what it is yet, but they do have this person of interest, Rusheen Barnett. He's 23 years old as well. And um, he's been named as a person of interest in the Clarendon, what they're calling hashtag Clarendon Massacre. And he is in police custody. And yeah, he's their cousin and he was detained in Trelawney um, in Jamaica. And um, it was something that really, really shocked people in the community. And so um, I think people are trying to still put, put it together. But from what we've heard so far is that this might have been related to some sort of, um, you know, some sort of um, gambling situation. Like, I don't really know. You know how they have the scamming things in Jamaica where they're like scamming people and it's actually big business. And, um, you know, they, they, I don't know, they, they get phone numbers from call centers. And so I don't know if somehow she had gotten a phone number from someone or, or what the situation was, but um, it seems like there was some sort of mix up and some sort of confusion in relation to that uh, with the two of them. And my God, I was just like, this is just really horrific. Like you kill an entire family for that. It just, it sounds really crazy. And so of course, you know, um, everyone was, was watching yesterday as her poor mother was uh, grieving. They had a live stream from the location. And um, I think the entire community was in shock. You know, there's a, there's a lot of violence that happens all over the world, but, you know, we have to be honest that Jamaica definitely has its fair share um, of these situations. And um, this hit really, really hard. This was not something that, um, that people, it, it still is unusual. And people are still, I think, really, really surprised by the, the violence. Um, just just really quite unbelievable, to be honest. It, do, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I can't rationalize it. I can't have it make sense. Um, you know, it's just a very, very sad situation. And when children are involved, it's it's just hard to comprehend. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, why would you have to kill 
uh, innocent children. They had nothing to do with whatever, whatever the argument was, whatever was going on. It certainly had nothing to do with them. And that is where um, it's just really, really difficult to digest. So good morning to Jasara. Good morning to Catherine. Miss Sue says, horrific, OMG. It made me feel physically sick, so sad. Why would somebody be so wicked? And yes, a cousin. Yeah, I mean, ironically, I was talking to someone yesterday about sometimes you feel like your your worst enemies in life are your own blood, are your own family members. Um, and that's an unfortunate situation because... Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a degree of truth to it. <laughs> so, but you never, even, even though that's the case, you never expect your own family members to be the ones who do something quite as horrific as this. Um, it's just, it is very, very difficult to process. Why? You know, every, everyone wants to know why, why has this happened? And uh, it's, it's very difficult to understand why. So we've got a video clip here that I will play um, for you guys. I, again, I can't make any sense of it. So I don't really know, you know, what more to say, except that it's, um, it's just, it's just horrible. All right. So give me a minute and I'm going to show you guys. This is the mother then of the 31 year old, the young lady who was killed. My daughter. Oh God, I write it. She was the love of my life. She, that daughter was so cold. She was so nice. Oh God, she love everybody. She take in everybody. No matter where family come from, she is always there. Oh God Almighty, I'm blue and I'm back if you have my daughter. I could have my daughter for me one. Me have a blue and a buckle, quad buckle. Me have her if you push her out. And they take me one daughter from me. My daughter was so, oh God. She was so ambitious. She was so ambitious. She had four kids, four kids. Three of them, the three girls. If baby father left her, I gone a foreign. I leave her alone with that three little daughter and she work and take care of her three pitney them till she end up with she, here comes Mr. Henry that is Kisha and Henry come and see her and love her up and take her up and they rent us over there Micah our brother our bigger brother leave her leave them in the house over there I said they must stay there she end up pregnant with her lovely little boy Pitney where she always want one and only little boy she get from Kisha and they kill her Ah, they kill you one daughter with four grand pitney. She was training to go to she was going to school in Spanish thought. She was training for nurse or something like that. Every morning she was going she was to go to school this morning. She was going to what she was to go to school this morning. She do her exam when the war at Spanish thought she said, Mommy, me have to go to school, you know, because of the last exam that I am going to do. 
I said, my daughter, God go with you because you said you have to go. And I said, God will lead the way for you. God will lead the way for you, my daughter. Just go in faith. Just go in faith, my daughter. I already pray for you. Oh, Jesus. When she, when I see 330, I call her. She said, mommy, I'm in Mayfair. I said, thank you, Jesus. She has doing do her exam and come back home. Oh, Jesus. Ah, no. Very um, difficult, folks, to um, watch that without a doubt. Um, you hear that mother saying that her daughter, you know, despite having four children, was ambitious. She wanted more for her life. She was, um, you know, really working hard towards becoming um, a nurse. And she was taken and studying for exams. And um, it's just, um, it's just un unbelievable, really, that this has happened. So all of Jamaica, I think, is in mourning because of this. The Prime Minister of Jamaica did issue a statement as well, calling this one of the most brutal um, things that he has heard um, in a very long time. Um, my gosh, it's just really, really horrible. So even at her school, um, at the school of two, two of the young children, it is, um, I'll tell you what the name of the school is. It is called um, the Beulah All Age um, School, I guess where they attended, uh, some of the children there, um, this incident has triggered fainting spells among the students. So the five-year-old and the 10-year-old, uh, Shamari Smith and her five-year-old sister, Kafana, attended this school, and they were two of the children, um, attended the Beulah All-Age School, and some of their classmates and others were just fainting away after they heard the news of what happened um, early Tuesday morning at their Cocoa Peace um, home in what they say is normally a quiet community of Chapleton, Clarendon. So uh, very, very unbelievable. Um, you know that when things like this happen, it has an impact on the entire country, really. Um, and so, you know, a direct impact has been the children, the other children in that school. So, like I said, the Prime Minister did issue um, a statement in reference to this as well. And he said that he was uh, devastated to learn of the gruesome killing of Kamisha Wright and her four children in Clarendon. And he wanted to ensure, assure the public that this type of violence will not go without response and action from the government. And that the murder represents an attack on our civility and our sensibility and an attack on our nation. And he has been given assistance uh, assurance, sorry, from the Minister of National Security and the Commissioner of Police that all resources have been put in place to catch the perpetrator and bring him to justice. So it didn't seem to take very long uh, for that to happen. Uh, they had him in custody, it seems like shortly after. So there was an actual press release that came out of the um, Prime Minister's office as well <clears throat> in relation to this. So the four children are Kamani Smith, 15-year-old girl, Shamari Smith, a 10-year-old, and Kafana Smith, a 5-year-old. 
And then she had a little boy who was Kashawn Henry, a 23-month-old uh, baby boy. And the, the um, prime minister refers to it as an act of savagery, barbarity, brutality, brutality, sorry, of unequal proportions. And he said that this young lady was hardworking, an honest young lady who's trying to make a life for herself and her children, and that the entire country was left with immense pain following these blood-curling murders, which show extreme contempt for the sanctity of life and is especially devastated that young, innocent children were viciously cut down. He goes on to say that the murder of this family reflects the epidemic of interpersonal violence that bedevils our society and reinforces the need for us to continue to pursue a holistic approach to the disease of interpersonal violence in our society. Horrific murders such as these are shocking to our very core, and we must uh, finally resolve as a country to set aside differences and take every action necessary in an all uh, in an all of society effort to save lives and eradicate violence at its roots. And of course, he expressed his condolences to the family and um, said that the investigations would be would be ongoing. So uh, very, very shocking. I mean, I, I like I said, I don't know what the reason everybody's asking why um, there was some stuff circulating like on WhatsApp that said that uh, the cousin was involved in some scammer thing. And so I don't know if it's related to that. Um, so I think we'll have to wait until more details come out. It's, I mean, it's probably a good thing that the police got to him probably before other people did, because this is the kind of thing that you'll find that oftentimes people want to retaliate. Um, so it's just, it's just really, really senseless. But, you know, the sad thing is every single day in communities across the world and, and Jamaica, again, is no exception. Um, there are senseless murders that are happening it might not be five people at one time. Sometimes it's just two people being gunned down. And I think as people who watch the news and make observations or who even live in this, these communities, we oftentimes make excuses for a lot of the violence that we see happening in our communities. So we're okay with uh, violence amongst gangsters, for example. We've come to accept that, oh, they're gangsters. This is, you know, you live that lifestyle. This is how you're going to die. And this is what's going to happen to you. But, you know, I think for us to eradicate something like what happened yesterday, you have to look at it, as the prime minister said, holistically, and you have to understand that no violence can be acceptable and especially not violence in our homes. And that's really where it starts. You know, from a very, very young age, I think a lot of us um, are experiencing violence in our homes. Sometimes we don't even know how much dysfunctionality and violence we are experiencing and we seem to think it's okay. And then that extends out into the larger community. So I don't, I, I just, it's just shocking. So good morning to Wee Wee. She says, so sad. KK says hearing this over and over and over has been tears. This is um, a hard pill to swallow. Um, not, oh, Emma said not scare, but screw. I'm not sure what that was in reference to, Emma. Um, so KK says her only child and grandkids, so sad. Damaris watching us from Florida this morning, so good to see you here. Um, oh, sorry, Emma, I think I was reading your comments in reverse. She says, many times families are the worst. 
they know something about you, who else easier to screw to screw it to you? Yes. Um, good morning to Luis. Good morning, Aliano. So good to see you. Aliano says Jamaica needs to go on a massive military reform. Boys from the age of six should go to boot camp and the government dissolved. Um, I don't know that that's going to solve the issue. There were some people who um, were very, very critical of the government. And there was actually a cartoon that was done in the local newspaper where they showed, I'll show you guys a picture of this. And it actually shows the government kind of hiding. And it says here, um, mother, daughter beheaded. These are the headlines. A guy is standing up holding these newspapers and he has a like a noose around his um, around his neck. It says mother, children found with throats slashed from Klansmen to dis government week. Um, and so the government is hiding behind a pole as he's standing up there with the headlines, his face is covered and he has the, um, I guess he would be like the executioner. So I don't know if this uh, cartoon is suggesting that they bring back the hanging of criminals and the death penalty. But listen to me very, very carefully. When you have how many murders <laughs> per year, you would be killing. And I'm not saying that I'm anti-death penalty because I'm actually not. But you would be, you would be executing, uh, you'd have to <laughs> full-time executioners because you'd be executing a lot of people. And that is but a knee-jerk reaction and a band-aid to the situation. Naturally, people have to pay for the crimes that they have committed. And there are people all over the world who believe an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, in some jurisdictions, um, there might be some evidence that the harsher the crimes are, maybe the less likely people are to um, get involved in certain things. You know, there are countries around the world, you steal, you're going to lose a finger or an entire hand just for stealing a gum, a piece of gum. And are you going to receive physical lashes? And to me, that is the very problem is we are a planet full of violence. So, you know, the response to violence is violence begets violence. And like I said, in a lot of homes, people are growing up with all sorts of violence. They're being um, subjected to uh, beatings and abuse, emotional violence, um, psychological torture, and other things. So it's incredibly sad. Like I said, I don't know what his story is or why he would have done this. But how much of this can you blame on any singular government? And we have this conversation every single time something pops off here. So we have another crime wave. We have, um, you know, a, a, a sh shooting in a bar with an assault rifle and everybody wants to blame the government. And I, I cannot help but wonder at what point do we in our respective communities take responsibility for our own actions? You know, we, we're the ones who are um contributing to this we we're the problem here so i find it difficult to blame any particular government of the day when these issues are very long-standing issues and it's all about how as a society and as a community we have developed you know i sit here on this program and i talk about some of the things that we are we have our own homegrown violent people without a doubt and we also import a certain degree of that as well of that mentality and that gratuitous violence. And so many people, when they have the conversations around this, they still seem to be okay with it to some extent. Like we question when someone commits a crime, well, why are they getting this sentence? The sentence is excessive. And I'm like, 
do you understand what it is that you're saying? The people should have no real repercussions for their actions when they do things that are egregious towards the community. And it's like, what, what's next, you know? And I feel like we sit back and we justify a lot of really um, horrific behavior for all the wrong reasons. And then when the SHID really hits the fan, all of a sudden we're like, oh, it's the government's fault. The government should do something about this. How about if we all took the approach that we should each uh, individually do something about this? You know, I was having a number of conversations um, with people yesterday because after the program yesterday, I was getting a lot of comments in relation to, um, you know, some of the topics in the program. And um, someone was saying to me, it's such an unfortunate situation that when people commit crimes and they're removed from their families, ultimately it's the children that suffer, which we know that to be the absolute truth. And there's a lot of times very little support that will be put in place to support those children during the incarceration of um, a parent. Certainly it depends on the caliber parent that you're talking about. Cause in my opinion, some parents are better off not having any children and they're better off not with their children. And the children are definitely better off um, if they can find a stable environment. And so we were kind of having this discussion about what that looks like and you know, what sort of environments uh, people are able to support and it's unfortunate that people are ill-equipped sometimes to be single parents. So if something happens to your spouse, you just don't even know, you know where to turn to. If they get sent off to jail um, and you were not expecting that to happen, you've put nothing in place. You've alienated yourself from your own family for years. And that has to be a very, very difficult situation. And that's some of what's happening right here in the Cayman Islands as we speak. You know, and what happens to those children? They're, they're going to start to fall through the cracks and you're going to start to see um, additional issues already that have been developing their lives start to be exasperated um, even more. And so it's really very, very sad. And I said to, you know, one of the individuals that I was having this conversation with yesterday, I said, you know, at some point I tune out a lot of, like, once I get off the air, <laughs> I try to tune out a lot of the chatter that's happening because my primary job is that of a parent. I have one child. So I don't have, and this is exactly how I see it. I'm going to be straight with y'all. I don't have four chances to get this right, right? So some people feel like, oh, I can screw up one child because I got four others or I got three. So if, if I screw up with the first one, then I can try to see how I can do with the, the last two, whatever. I'm like, no, I mean, that philosophy for me doesn't work in any event, but I've got one shot at this. And so for me, it is very, very, very important to um, do my best by my own daughter and just to ensure that some of the mistakes that, you know, I have even been a product of are not repeated to the next generation. And that takes a concerted effort. It's not easy. No one's here to tell you that life is easy and that making a change perhaps from what you grew up with and what you were exposed to is going to be an easy thing to do. But until we start to change our mentality and we start to do these things, how much better will our communities get? They will continue to be plagued by gratuitous and senseless violence. Right. That's why I get on the show all the time and I talk from my heart about what is happening to our children in particular, because we you can't fix a damaged child. I don't know. You know, you can 
put them in therapy and, you know, I guess therapy helps, but it's like the proverbial glass. Once it's broken, depending on how many pieces it's broken into, you can try to tape it back together. And sometimes you can tape it back together, but those cracks are still always there, right? The glass might be functional. You might be able to pour water in it and it can still hold water, but the cracks are still there. And there are times when the cracks will manifest themselves um, in different ways. So sometimes it manifests itself in, you know, relationships as children get older. Um, you know, sometimes it will manifest itself in their school performance, um, their ability to, you know, do well academically and other things. You know, we have to, as a community, see the necessity to protect our children at all costs. And not just protect your children, but nurture them and help them grow up in functional homes and by extension, functional communities, right? So functional schools where they're not subjected to bullying on a daily and regular basis um, starts in the home, you know, giving them a lot of love. It's not about punishment and beating your children and keeping them under this rule of thought, it's, it's like, you know, children who know that they are safe and somebody loves them, somebody cares about them, I think is so incredibly important. So I had my um, daughter's school session, parent teacher session yesterday, because now she's transitioning. She's going to be six in August already. Can you believe it? And so now she's going to be transitioning to big school. So she moves on. And, uh, you know, her teachers were saying how much she's developed over the past couple of years that she's been at this particular school and she's been with them. And they were saying, you know, she's got such an imagination and she's such a pleasure to work with and a great personality. And even when she's doing her schoolwork, you know, if she doesn't understand something, she's finally like asking questions and speaking out and her little personality, because she's actually quite reserved in a lot of ways. And so, you know, she's starting to um, come out of her shell a little bit. And she had a friend at the school who was kind of like her BFF. And that friend moved away recently. And, you know, the teacher said, my goodness, since that friend has been gone, it's only been about three, maybe three or four weeks, it hasn't been that long, that they've seen a tremendous difference in uh, Gianna and her um, just confidence and asserting herself and you know, she doesn't have someone that, that she thinks is like the leader. She's taking on the leadership role and she's being herself. And I said, wow, isn't that amazing how little things like this impact the personalities um, of our children? But, you know, we have to be committed, folks, to raising children in um, our homes and in communities that give them every opportunity in life to try to be the best that they can be. Whatever sacrifices you have to make as a parent, then you got to do that. Uh, Salvin says your initial suggestion is sound and can have positive social impact. Good morning to John. Ms. Debbie says I'm a Caymanian. The Caymanians do not like her country being referred to as the Caymans. Uh, Marshall, uh, thank you so much. He says he's happy that he caught the culprit and he hopes he rots and burns in hell. Um, you know, and I have to wonder what, what happened to him that would even make him capable of cutting the throats of five people. Like, how do you do that? Like, I don't even know how physically you could muster the courage to do something like that. 
Louise uh, says it looks like a lot of mad men uh, live in Jamaica. They're demon possessed. Well, I don't know. I think they are um, a lot of times hurt people who grew up in environments, again, where violence is nothing. Violence is normalized. And I think that, you know, I feel like we're always on the cusp of um, something like this happening, even right here. You guys will remember the mother who killed her own daughter brutally here in the Cayman Islands. Um, there were issues with that woman. She's married to a police officer that were ignored. It's like the father who buried his own child and bogged down. Once again, there were issues emerging and people were ignoring them. So a lot of times there are warning signs that something is wrong. And as a community, for whatever reason, we turn a blind eye to it. Um, remember that young man? I can't remember his name. He was actually out this weekend fighting in the streets and somebody had a, um, was it a machete at him or something? But somebody had some some weapon at him and uh, they, they sent me the videos. This young man, the last time the police took him into custody was after he had done a video talking about how he has sexually assaulted women. And um, I, you know, was really, really shocked by that. And apparently the police at the time said that they didn't think there was anything wrong with it because they didn't believe that he had actually committed those offenses and that they were pretty much happy for him to stay on the street, admitting that something mentally might be wrong with him, but it wasn't a case where they thought he was a danger to anyone. Well, eventually he continued on and on with his shenanigans and uh, they ended up arresting him while well, he's out and about folks. He's back out in the streets. And in fact, like I said, just this weekend, someone sent some video footage of him where someone was trying to fend him off because I guess he fancies himself a boxer. I'm not really sure. But someone was trying to fend him off with um, some sort of a rake or something. And this is this was happening in the streets of the Cayman Islands. And then I noticed that he put up some video on Father's Day and he actually tagged CMR in it. So whatever his mental health issues may or may not be, he is obviously someone who is starved for attention. And so sometimes the best thing we can do is not give people like that any attention at all. It's like every single time somebody um, in the U.S. now, you know, is involved in a mass murder, you notice more and more the media are barely even naming the individual. They used to name them and obsess over them for two, three weeks worth of coverage where they went on and on and on about who this individual is and dissecting their whole history. Now they try to make it less about the perpetrators and more about the victims. And because what they were recognizing is that a lot of these perpetrators are purposely out there engaging in this behavior because they want their 15 minutes of glory. Even if they go down in a, in a you know, ball of, of, gunshots or whatever, uh, they still want to go down in the history books as someone who, you know, killed more than the last nutcase sort of a situation. And that is um, incredibly unfortunate. So I noticed that he tagged us in his latest video. And so I've actually blocked him from our platform because we're not going to give him even 30 seconds of fame. We're, we're just not interested. If you need psychological help, young man, you know, you go and you get it, but um, 
going on social media, which is something he appears to enjoy doing and getting a lot of attention, a lot of commentary is something that we're not going to, we're not going to engage in. Irvlin says, most definitely bring back the noose. Um, Debbie says, just when I thought crime in Jamaica could not get any worse. And now this innocent children butchered, unbelievable. Um, yeah. You know what is so crazy as well is there was another, um, I forget which island that was. There was another incident with a um, a young lady. I think she might have been like 12 years old that was kidnapped. Um, and I don't even know that they found her yet. But over the weekend, they were, um, they arrested the guy involved in it. He went into her home and like kidnapped her. This is the Caribbean folks. Um, yesterday, the Jamaican military stopped a guy who had a 13-year-old that he had taken from her home, I guess, or wherever. And he was arrested and charged with multiple counts of sexual assault and rape and kidnapping. It's just crazy. Miss Bonnie says, government is not to blame for the unrest in this world. It's the people turning from God until the world uh, but God, head of lives, it will not stop. Satan is roaming the world all over. Well, I mean, <laughs> the truth of the matter is um, violence has been part of our societies for a really, really long time. Um, from, from the dawn of man, really. And I don't feel like it necessarily gets any better. Um, so at what point, you know, was God playing a pivotal role in, the, in any of this? At what point have people been God-fearing? Because if you believe the Bible from day one, what happened with, um, what is it, Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, people have just been crazy from the onset. So where where does God fit into, um, where does God actually fit into any, any degree of sanity in this situation? I, I can't answer that question because when I look around, the, the countries that have the most churches and that people go to church the most, such as the Cayman Islands, by the way, have some of the most ridiculous amounts of crime. There's a church on every corner in this country, just like there's a church on every corner in Jamaica as well. And yet here we are talking about how, how the crime is and the crime is in the churches as well. So I don't know. Flashpoint says Singapore seems to be a success story. How did they do it? Um, what do their laws say about the death penalty? And again, you can't ever look at a situation like violence and think that how you respond to it is the singular answer. I mean, the Singapore um, sort of you know model is really, really interesting, but they're not the only ones in the world that have um, have low crime. And, you know, we talk about Singapore because we say, oh, you know, um, they believe in, in chopping off your finger or plucking out your eye if you look at somebody wrong. So in 2021, they had 847 crimes per 100,000 inhabitants. Um, and they said this is still positively minuscule compared to the West where this figure is a few times higher in a vast majority of countries. Nevertheless, it marked an increase from 2013 and 2020. So crime in Singapore shot up by 30% in 2021 
2021 and 50% since 2013. So when we say that the Singapore model is working, we have to make sure that we're talking about it in true context of what's happening. So their crime is an increase 50% since 2013 and 30% since 2021. Or my apologies, it went up 30% in 2021. So how well is it working? Hmm? Mm. Um, Aliana says, I'm sorry, but it comes to a point where society without some form of martial discipline in a time of intellectual degradation is doomed and all we see is chaos and debauchery and corruption. Shannon says she loves the blouse this morning. Thank you. Um, yeah, but we need to address the chaos at the source. Jonathan says it's probably not the first time that he's done it. Uh, Miss Bonnie says cocaine, just looking at him, he looked high as a kite. Um, Sue says maybe there's some sort of mental drugs involved. Again, it, it's it's shocking that we 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 as communities seem to think that people are not capable of this unless they are in drugs or something else is wrong with them. But yet we literally see it every single day. It's so interesting how we how we really look at these things. We think people have to be crazy to do these things. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't use the word crazy, but are they clinically crazy? I don't really know about that part of it. Um, so, yeah. So Masu says, so sad Debbie gets worse as we had so many great family vacations in Jamaica. Well, Masu, I do want to point out to you, a number of years ago, we did an article about what was happening at the all-inclusive resorts in Jamaica. There's a bit of a and it's been happening for many, many years, a situation where tourists were being targeted, especially women who were um, being raped and sexually assaulted. And I distinctly remember that when that article went up in CMR, you were very much defending that this, this story isn't true. You don't know where that source came from, that Jamaica, especially at the resorts, was very, very safe. And you were in a state of disbelief. You were arguing on social media about um, what was happening at the resorts. And the authorities, especially the foreign authorities were saying, this is something that we know isn't fully being uh, disclosed. That in fact, a lot of, uh, I'm gonna get this video here for you guys to see. But a lot of, um, a lot of facilities were covering it up, right? As well as, um, not just facilities covering it up, but um, the authorities, the police in Jamaica are actually involved in the cover-up as well. So sometimes our deniability, I don't, is, that, is that a word? <laughs> so we sit back and we deny that these things are happening in our communities. And so, you know, why... I mean, I don't know <laughs> if, if you can deny that it's happening when the research is there and when the statistics are there, and when victims are coming forward. Um, but she says we were all fine. But just because you were fine doesn't mean that it wasn't happening to other people. 
people being targeted, women were being drugged, and they were being sexually assaulted and raped. Uh, people were having access to their room keys and coming in on them. So the, these are these are the facts. And a lot of times we do not want to accept the facts. And, and by the time you accept it, it has gone so far left, you know, it's just like, okay, <laughs> now what? So yes, it's, a, it's interesting that you say, because it wasn't happening to us, you thought it wasn't happening at all, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. It's just like here, there are kids, a lot of kids, who are growing up in abusive homes. And just because your home isn't one of them doesn't mean that you should not sit back and understand the magnitude of what is happening. How many children are in abusive homes? How many women are in abusive relationships by their partners? How many men are being impacted by abuse as well in their homes? So our perspective can't stop at our noses just because we say, oh, well, this isn't happening to me, so this can't really be what's happening. That's why it's important to have uh, statistical information about what's happening in our community as it relates to crime and other things, because we don't ever then get a true appreciation of exactly what the situation is. A lot of people live in denial. It's easy to live in denial, and they say, you know the saying, ignorance is bliss. I get it. You just walk around, pretend like nothing's going on. And that, that hey, if nothing's going on in your world, you're like, nothing's going on around me, I'm good with it. <sighs> you got to have a dose of the cold hard truth. Salvin says, um, Sandy, seemingly you're against capital punishment, mainly death penalty. Actually, I'm not at all. I am not against the death penalty whatsoever. In fact, I think the death penalty for the places that it's deployed, for example, still in the U.S., is broken. And one of the reasons why it's broken is because it takes so long. People get to live 30 years of their life in prison before they're subjected to the death penalty for some of the most horrific cases. And I don't think they should um, have that much time. So I've never been against the death penalty. I think there are certain types of offenses and crimes, especially crimes against children, that you should cue yourself up for the death penalty and make it as swift as possible. Once there's no uh, qualms about the person's guilt or innocence, I'm pro-death penalty. I have no issues with the death penalty at all. What I'm saying to you is, despite my personal opinion about the death penalty, um, logically, I recognize that that is a Band-Aid on the situation. When, you, when people are out there committing crimes, do you think they're sitting down thinking, oh, I'm going to get caught and... Uh, the the end is the end result is going to be the death penalty. So that's really going to deter me. So that's the difference. I'm saying I have a personal opinion, pro-death penalty. But in my head, I have a logical understanding that that probably has very little impact on the rate of crime and even serious offenses, that where you need to address it is before it even happens. So we always want to address throwing people in jail, incarcerating people, and all that sort of stuff, but we don't talk about why we are growing up in such violent communities, what's causing it. And I, once again, encourage all of you to go back to that Yolanda Ford report. I keep talking about it, 
We've talked about it multiple times in this program. Government paid probably millions of dollars to generate this 273-page report. And what are the causes or the underlying factors of crime? It's called predisposing factors to criminality in the Cayman Islands. So every single time you think that you have a solution or you understand criminality in the context of the Cayman Islands, the question I had put to you is, have you read this report? There was a lot of time put into this report. Like I said, government paid a pretty penny to have the research conducted. And the conclusions, right, that they came to, which they talked about very early on. Mm -hmm. Major crime, bank robberies, heinous murders. See what it says here? There's public outcry about the horror of the incident, which is what we're doing right now, but comparatively very little attention is paid to the underlying determinants of criminal behavior. And this is, this is exactly what I'm saying. They're saying it in nice fancy words. I'll read what this report says, but this is what I'm saying to you. We're talking about the death penalty. We're talking about incarcerating people. I'm like, fine, I understand that conversation, but I don't understand how we're not talking about how we create murders, how we create bank robbers who are women and who are mothers. Uh, not bank robbers, but armed robbers, right? Here's what the report says. Crime does not commit itself behind every criminal act as a person. So what are the factors that predispose a person to criminal involvement? Hmm. And I can tell you that at page, um, can't remember when, what page, but basically the, the conclusion that she comes to is that it's the family, the households. That's where it all begins. So if we can't fix those issues, right? We don't wanna talk about what's happening with our children in homes. We don't wanna hold parents accountable and responsible. So what's gonna be the solution? We're gonna just execute everybody and lock everybody up? We're, we we already have a prison that is, you know, full to capacity. Poor parenting skills, parenting separation and absence, parental rejection, domestic conflicts and violence, child abuse, alcohol abuse in families, drug abuse, criminality amongst family members. Teachers can tell you that they see children in um, second grade, and by second grade, they can already tell you as a teacher, because they see them the more maybe than some of their own parents, that this child is going to become a criminal. This child is going to end up in Northward or Fairbanks. Dysfunctionality in the family and poor socialization, the lack of moral sensibilities, Relative deprivation coupled with heightened materialistic expectations. That is the core. Low educational attainment. So when we talk about not accepting the fact 
that what's the latest report? 50% of our school kids are coming out of schools not being properly equipped and prepared. That's unacceptable. We need to have that conversation because that's tied into part of the problem. So we don't, those things are not easy conversations to have. And the more we ignore it, the more the problem grows. And we're sitting here uh, saying that God is going to fix it for us. I hate to tell y'all, but he's not coming down here to fix nothing. We have created the situations and they have not just created themselves overnight. And I want to be very, very clear about this because I often hear, especially the older heads in Cayman, oh, these young people, they're not no good, they're this and that. Well, let me be very clear. Our people have not been any good for a very long time. Hmm? Look at your parents and your grandparents who want to castigate the younger generation for being no good and causing all kind of havoc. And you know that back in the day, there was so much stuff going on that was just swept under the rug. That's why some of y'all were having children and sexual relations with your sister's husbands and boyfriends. And we got people right here in Cayman who are double cousins on both sides of the family. How do you think something like that happens? Incest. Men beating women practically in public and nothing was done about it. These are not things that just happened today. <laughs> They've been going on for many generations. And we want to cover it up. You know, some of the most egregious things that have happened in this community, I remember um, years ago when there was that, um, that Webster guy, I, I always think of him because he's so freaking creepy. When I see him in the grocery store and he's walking around, no cart in his hand, just walking around looking at people. But I tell you what, our, our, even our acceptance as a community of people like this is very, very disturbing. Because I have to tell you, I've never had a word with this man, but anytime he looks in my direction, I give him one, one look. You know when your parents used to give you a certain look? I give him one look that makes him turn his head away because he knows that I know what kind of monster he is. Going after your own child. Like, really, dude? But I'll never forget. This is, one, this is when I knew I had recently come back to Cayman uh, when this case came about. And I wrote something in the newspaper about how horrible this case was and whatever. And I remember his own mother. This is when I know that we got some serious underlying issues in this country. Little Christian lady, up until her death, she used to walk up and down in the bypass, go to church every single week, live up in the church doors. And I remember her writing something in the paper about, oh, let him without sin, let the first one without sin throw a rock at my son. I said, you know, in some places in the world, we'd be throwing rocks at both of you. This is what your son does. And if you somehow feel like his sin is comparable to what other people have done, then maybe you need to keep your mouth shut. But for her to actually put pen to paper and submit something to the paper, about let him without sin judge my son. I got to tell you, every single time I would see her, and it was often because I lived in Newlands, every morning she'd go walking with her little stick and her skirt all the way down to her knees, to, to her ankles. 
And I would pass her on the bypass and all I could do is shake my head. And I said, this is an example of what is wrong with this community. The cover-up that we are involved in. Your son has done a horrific thing to your own granddaughter. And by the way, living in your house while it was happening. And there were allegations that she fully knew what was happening because she would be hearing a poor child cry. I'm like, really? And then you have the audacity to talk about let him without sin throw the first stone? It's that type of thinking, folks. That is the problem. You know, I come from dysfunctionality, so I'm not here judging people. I'm here from a position of fully understanding when they talk about all of these things. I get it because this is part of my personal story and us as Caymanians part of our collective stories. But I also know that the possibility of someone turning themselves around, it's not impossible. It can happen. And it starts by addressing every single one of these elements, the household. So I was fortunate enough to be removed somewhat early on at the age of nine from a dysfunctional household. That's the only thing that has saved me. Otherwise, I would be sitting in jail next to all the other armed robbers. And the environment that I went into was much more stable. It was one that prioritized high educational achievements and personal achievements. And that helped me to change the path of my entire life. And it wasn't just someone sitting down saying, oh, just pray about it. <laughs> We're going to keep you in this dysfunctional home, but you must just pray about it. You have to do more than that. There has to be some real change. Point three, point two says the significant contribution that negative socialization in the home and family dysfunction has had to the level of criminality in the Cayman Island society will be discussed in chapter five in detail. But they talk about it being the single most important thing, the family, the household. That's where it begins. And so if we know that the problem begins there, why is more of the discourse not around how to solve the problem where it begins? Why are we talking about the death penalty? Why are we talking about incarceration as though those are the only solutions to what our problem is? We need to actually get ahead of this. This report is available from 2006, June of 2006. It is completely available online. Anybody can read it. And I'm willing to bet you that we have elected officials in this country right now who have never so much as clicked on, they don't got to pay for the report. 
It is a free report. The government's already paid for it. So now you can access it for free, right? And I'm willing to bet my little dollar. I got a little dollar around here somewhere. Y'all know I don't gamble. But I would be willing to bet a little dollar that probably 70% of our elected officials has, have never even looked at the Yolanda Ford report. And yet they're going to help us with our issues that we're facing. I'm going to give, I'm going to put the link here because I'm going to invite all of you to please go and read the report. Change starts with understanding. You first have to understand the source of the issues before you can come up with any sort of solutions in terms of fixing the problem. Everybody has an opinion and I think that's great. But how much is your opinion based on a critical analysis of the actual facts? Well, you don't even have to do the work. The government has paid somebody else to do it. It's all here. So why aren't we having a look at this report and seeing how we can implement systems and processes that will help us become a law-abiding, supportive community for our young people and our children. Families, it says at 5.1, are one of the strongest socializing forces in life. Parents, as heads of those households, have a tremendous responsibility to inculcate in their children from birth the norms and values they wish for them to possess. Parents are to be loving, attentive, accepting of their children, and play a pivotal role during the critical years of their development. At the same time, parents have the responsibility to guide and direct their children and pro-social behaviors, offer consistent discipline, and impact a wide range of positive principles for living. During those most impressionable years, parents are duty-bound to teach their children honesty, the ability to delay gratification, and to control unacceptable behavior, respect for others, and respect for the rights and property of others. A lot of times that didn't happen. And it may not have happened for a number of different reasons. Could be that your parents had seven, eight children, and let's be honest, they just didn't have the time. They were out there working three, four jobs trying to put food on the table. Or they had seven, eight children, they had a drug addiction issue, or they were out in the streets partying every single weekend. So who would have been teaching the children these um, social behaviors, consistent discipline, these types of principles? What, what principles are you teaching your children when you're not even home? It is not just what you say to children. It is the life that you live, the example that you live for your children. So I know parents who every single Sunday, they pack up the whole bunch, load of children, dress them up and take them to church. And they think, oh, yes. They're going to learn to respect people because I take them to church. Meanwhile, in your homes, you have discussions and discourse with one another that demonstrates that you have no respect for each other. You curse each other out. 
right? You beat up on people. They see you lying and cheating. They see you abusing any of you to get money. They see you marriage, marrying people for marriages of convenience. How does all of that translate to a child that, oh, these are the things in life that you should be doing just because I'm taking you to church on a Sunday? Andrea says most sexual assaults back in the day are covered up by the grandparents and parents because they didn't want to tarnish their names. And, and Andrea, not just back in the day, right now it is still happening. People are still turning a blind eye to a lot of these things and refusing to bring people to the police because, oh, it's a family member. I had heard a story recently about a young girl in a situation, special needs child, unfortunately, and someone who has a very big mouth in this community, always have the most to say, Oh, you know, I can't get a job, this, that, and the next thing, blah, blah, blah. Talks about their own issues. There's a very serious allegation with this young man doing something to this special needs child. And you know what happened? Nothing. Because the mother said, oh, he's family. I was like, what? Excuse me? He's family? So you're going to allow your child who's already going to have challenges in life to be abused by someone. I don't care if it's a one-off situation or not. And you're prepared to do nothing about it because this person is family. That's the insanity that I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, that, that's the madness. I'm like, wow. It's disturbing. Marshall said, I would have thrown the first, second, and third stone at the both of them. Shameful. Miss Lucille, good morning. She says a very good morning also to Jerry and the Cayman Islands. <laughs> she says, you're not listening to me. You're going to get a lawsuit for your mouth. Yurik, daughter, love you all. Well, child, lawsuits are the least of it. I really am not worried about that. As you can see, we've had a few, and here we still are. Haven't paid a dime to anybody yet, so we'll be okay. Haven't lost one yet. Came close, that last one, with that lying scammer, Mr. John Felder. Praise the Lord for some good attorneys over at Broadhurst Attorneys at Law. Big shout out to Kyle and Tiz and the whole team out there. Give them a call if you have any legal issues, especially those fender benders, because, you know, they'll get you sorted out as well. Matrix says in order for any society to function properly and survive, they need to have rules and rules that must be enforced. If there are no consequences for antisocial behavior, society will fail. Yes, Matrix, but it starts in the home. The home needs to have rules and structure. Hmm? So we are, again, allowing children to grow up with chaos, and we don't think that we're going to have a chaotic society. How does that work? So Selvin says, yes, capital punishment is not the solution, but part of the mosaic of solutions to include addressing the home, schools, church, and government in terms of legislation. 
Marshall says, yes, you're so right about the little woman walking in the bypass in Newlands. I lived in Newlands for a few years and would see her walking with her long sleeve shirt. Yes, child. And long skirt and her hair in a bun. Mm -hmm. She couldn't be the one talking about he without sin since she was beating down the church door and knowing what her disgusting son was doing. Yep. Same one. Same one. That would be her. So Aliano says, yes, Miss Sandra, I got my tushy torn up from the floor. And yet here I am. Um, I'm saying this much. The new generation issue can't be solved with a soft hand. The failing older generation is the cause. And yes, take the blame and put it on one's shoulders does nothing. So what is the solution? More overpriced independent reports. Well, no, it's taken the report that we have, which is quite comprehensive, and, and points out exactly what the issues are and actually utilizing that report. And it, is, it, is, it isn't about getting your behind torn up because a lot of these same kids are having their behinds torn up as well. But there's no consistency in the messaging and there's no consistency in the example that they are being shown on a daily basis. That's where the problem lies. It's not beating your kid every single time he does something wrong. As, as Caymanians would say, children aren't being brought up, they're being dragged up. And a lot of times it's because the parents are ill-equipped themselves. They come from dysfunctional homes and they're not prepared to make any changes in their lives because that's all they know. And I think that's where the government needs to step in with more courses on parenting and helping households to turn that whole dysfunctionality around. Good morning, Dave. Dave says the home is very important for a fact and based on how someone was brought up can make or break them. But with both parents working like a slave, just to keep a roof over their head makes it difficult to really and truly parent a child or kids. And that led to one of the biggest breakdown in society and today's society the system is rigged and the poor always get the blame when rent uh, don't have to take it literally 70% of a family's income and they don't, why not make, sorry, why not more of us, oh, something missing here. Why don't more of us have some sense of humanity and really and truly, and then it gets cut off. Um, well, poverty is, is part of the problem, but Dave, let's be very, very clear about poverty Blaming poor people for poverty isn't really logical in any way because there are things that are part of the problem. As you say, there's systematic issues that will keep a person poor once they are born into poverty and the rich keep getting richer. But, you know, there's certain things in life that you can learn from people of wealth, even if you're a poor person. Such as the, the number one thing, and I read this many, many years ago. If you grew up in a poor home, the worst thing that you can do to keep yourself in that situation is to have too many children. And how many poor people you know have a concept or understanding of how not to have children that they don't really want? or they're not ready for. Hmm? Three, four or five children later, 
They will never be able to come out of poverty. Very few do. When you have started out bringing children into this world, that adds to the burden. You have the opportunity to lift yourself out of poverty in some instances, but you cut yourself off at the knees when you have children, especially at a young age, that you cannot afford. That is a single factor for keeping you in poverty. Your mental state of mind does that to you as well. That's why a lot of people, when they see what the U.S. is doing in relation to women's right to choose and so on, I was reading an article just the other day about this young lady in Texas who found out that she was pregnant just as they were changing the Texas laws. And, you know, Texas now has some, some of the strictest abortion laws. And she didn't want the pregnancy. Now she has twins. And because she couldn't travel anywhere else to have an abortion, and I'm not saying I'm pro-choice. I'm not pro-abortion. So I want to make this very, very clear. And now she has twins that she didn't want, by the way. Now, whether or not that will make her a good or bad parent, I guess time will tell. But you see, people who make these rules know that rich people will always have an option. Because if you're rich and you live in Texas, your parents are rich and you get pregnant as a teenager, they have the option of taking you somewhere else. They have the option of putting it up for um, adoption or doing all sorts of other creative things with the baby. The poorer you are, the fewer options you have. Lavanya says rich people only have one or two children, just saying, and in some cases, not at all. That should be a lesson to all of us. And Dave, you know, you talk about um, people working all these jobs. <laughs> My mother, for as long as I can remember, and she's in her 80s, has always had three, four jobs. That is nothing new <laughs> when you were growing up poor, Right? And I don't have very many memories of seeing her very often at all. That's not a problem for today's society. That has existed for a long time. Miss Maria says, Sandra, everyone rich or poor have the opportunity for education to better themselves, to do their part in establishing rules and regulations in order to make sure kids go to school every day. Well, education itself is not something that is equally available to everyone. So not everyone has an equal chance at education. And again, this, this directly ties into poverty. Where you live, not so much in Cayman, but in the US will determine what schools you go to and what resources are allocated to those schools. Your zip code, your area code. The last time I was in Miami and May, I stayed with some of my husband's family in Fort Lauderdale. They stay in a very affluent neighborhood. And I couldn't help but make the observation. They're living in a million-dollar home. I'm like, this is really nice. Million plus, I'm sure. Right around the corner for them, like two minutes, is this private school. And I started asking them about this private school. Because, you know, the couple of days I was there, I passed the school. On the morning morning, I saw like six police cars at the school. And I thought why do they need so much police presence? And these are like state troopers or whatever, city police. Is the school paying them privately 
to be at the school or why does the school get all this protection? And I forget the name of the school. It's, it's there in Fort Lauderdale. But anyway, um, I speak into one of the teenagers, one of her cousins, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, the school's like super expensive, very exclusive. And they didn't know what the arrangement was with all the police. It was a big, sprawled out private school. But even the protection that you get afforded, all of that is based on money. It isn't just, oh, well, everyone is going to have equal opportunities to education. Maria says she's talking about Cayman. Well, let's talk about Cayman. Government schools, a little bit on the overcrowded side. Uh, limited resources. Jared is here. Morning, Jared. Morning, morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Limited resources. Remember just the other day under Tar Rivers, government schools were saying that they didn't have the money to supply children with books. They had to be copying their lessons out of the books and photocopying stuff and this sort of thing. They couldn't even afford to give our children books. I was like, what? Who in a proper school doesn't have books of their own? They can't afford paper. Teachers are having to purchase their own equipment if they want to have certain things in their schools. How, do, how does that equate to your child getting a better education if the school cannot even afford the basic resources for your child to be able to practice their writing and do their arithmetic and whatever else they need to learn? Private schools give you language options. Thank God I just saw the government in conjunction with private sector have announced that all government school children will now have mandatory um, swimming lessons. That's fantastic because we live in an island. I was so glad to see that. And oftentimes it takes a partnership between public sector and um, private sector to make this happen. And that that's the funny thing. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into too much detail on this, but I will say this. The R3 Foundation, and I need to try to link up with Brian Hunter and have a conversation with him, but the R3 Foundation um, has a lot of people coming together quietly from the public, from the private sector, sorry, and making contributions to support a lot of the NPOs and the things that they do. And people in this community have no clue what's going on. And so I think to myself, when I hear something like the DART organization, for example, has given $5.5 million in contributions and pledges to the R3 Foundation, which helps other organizations like ARC and, you know, Feeder Future and other NPOs to help them do the job that they need to do, Meals on Wheels. And the public does not even know that that's actually happening. And that's why we can be so critical of these organizations when they're here. And I'm not saying that there are times that uh, a critical analysis of some of the things that they do is not required. But we also need to appreciate that they don't have to make these types of contributions. And in fact, there are a lot of companies out there who have, you know, Caymanian owned and, and grown companies who have never contributed anything meaningful from the society. They're in retail, they're in these businesses, and they are making money, 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 money. And because they're Caymanian families, they get a pass. But if it's a foreign investor, like the DART organization and others, 
oh, well, what are they doing for the Caymanals? What are y'all own people doing? I'm not going to go deep into that conversation today, but that's a conversation that we will be having. So it takes a lot. You want to talk about affording private school? Denny says two or three children is a good minimum. That's the good maximum, I think, is what you actually meant to say, Denny. <laughs> Not the minimum. One is the minimum. Two, if you can really swing it, three, max. Most of y'all don't even have the time. Lavana says working multiple jobs doesn't make you a bad parent. No, it doesn't. But what it potentially does is makes you unavailable for your own children. You're passing each other in the night. So if you're unavailable when your child comes home at three o'clock until they go to bed, say eight o'clock at night, and in the morning somebody else is getting your child ready, you've got you know, helpers doing it. Helpers have been raising Caymanian children for generations. And we treat them like dirt. That's a whole other topic, but yes. How can you pass on your core values to your children if they don't even see you? Because you are having to work three, four jobs. And you know the sad part about it? And I want to I, I switch to the port topic because I've been meaning to talk about the port topic for a while. Um, the sad part about it is... Most of us historically have been working all these multiple jobs and doing all this kind of stuff, not because we needed to just survive and make a living, but because we wanted more, more than the people next door, more than the Joneses. So we need to feel fulfilled when we have a 4,000 square foot house. We have to feel fulfilled driving a certain type of vehicle or a household with three, four cars when there are only two adults in it. Even, again, I want to draw from my own personal experience because I don't want y'all to think, well, Sandy don't know what she's talking about or she's throwing people under the bus. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Growing up in a household where your mother would go to a trip overseas and could buy four or five of the exact same pair of shoes, yet there were critical things that were not happening in the household in terms of taking care of the children. This is the madness of our society, materialistic. The, the Ford Report talks about that. We live in a materialistic society. So a lot of y'all are talking about, oh, you know, you, you, you got to work to survive. You're not working to survive. You're working to have a certain lifestyle that is beyond your means. And you need to reel it in. And you're not having, you're not limiting yourself with the number of children. You're not saying, okay, if I want to have this type of lifestyle, it's much easier to get that life type of lifestyle if it's a two-parent household. You're not even committed to that. So DJ Truckin says it depends on the individual. At the end of the day, the home plays an important role, but if someone just has a messed up mindset, you can't do much with them because I have met some people that you can't help. Well, DJ Trucking, I would love to analyze with you who those people are. And when you say you can't help them, what exactly does that mean? Because don't get me wrong. We're not talking about, again, 
just become because you come from an affluent family or lifestyle that that means that you came from a good family. Those are two very different things. Affluence and money doesn't buy you morality. <laughs> it doesn't buy you a good household. Some of the most affluent people in the world are some of the most dysfunctional people in the world as well. DJ Trocken also says government schools are failing big time. Um, it's funny that I learned more out of school than I did in school. Mm. Shannon, good morning, says some of the grocery stores could donate more. Almost expired food. The amount of food they throw out uh, must be horrendous. Well, meanwhile, the grocery stores are the ones who are, uh, as Woody said, he was on here, trying to keep the food bank afloat. And he even said that they don't really pay that much attention to donated food, except the consumers might be over, um, you know, hypersensitive to it. But they know that that date doesn't mean a whole lot, that you can continue to use it past that date. So Denny is saying the minimum. Most people can't afford more than two or three children, Denny. So I would invite you to think of it as the maximum. Why are you going to have more children than you can afford? And I don't mean always financially afford. Like I said, time. The most important thing you can give your children is time. I, I just have a quick, quick statement. Um, I notice everybody collectively is, you know, pointing fingers. But what 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 are you as the individual doing? Because if well, we that's always, what I'm saying. Point if, it, turn around, point it at yourself. Because if the, the government don't have an endless budget, I'm not saying the prioritization of education was not at the forefront. But I do know with all the budget cuts that were happening with the previous administration and government salary freezes and moving around money, education may have, have fell to the sidelines as I was in that group. But you as a parent have the individual responsibility to make sure that your child is reading their book, make sure that they know their multiplications, make sure that they have social skills because Whilst children are, are predominantly in schools, you as the parent, as busy as your life might be, you need to be reinstilling the, the, the basics of, of foundational practices that are happening in schools. So you can't just say, oh, throwing more money at it mm -hmm. does not solve the problem. It's, it's when we take the time and attitude to build community, as, as Premier Panton says, that community builds country. How are we as Caymanians, as a community, building the country that we want to be um, for successive generations? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, someone reminded me the other day, they said, Sandy, we heard you talk about the previous government, the PAC administration, having eight years. They said, actually, they've had 12 years in office. So um, they reminded me to please correct that. And they're absolutely right, because I think they were initially elected in 2009. And then the last government was still a progressive-led coalition government. So um, yeah. Um, uh, Janetta says, did you read about how the government school leavers don't meet expected academic standards? 50%. And again, this ties in directly to, you know, what is being said here.
All right, let's let's talk about the port because I mean, unfortunately, that's another hot mess. Matrix says people need to stop expecting someone else to pick up the slack for them. Grocery stores must donate more. People need to stop pouring their life out without measure. Stop expecting to be cuddled. Oh, mess. Shannon says, I help a few commanders with cash and food, and that's how I contribute. Um, but as someone with a lifetime illness and no longer working, I'm limited. Magdalene says, you get what you put up with. Is the population demanding more? Are they making demands to relevant persons? No, they're taking um, they're taking about air conditioning. They're talking about air conditioning and being able to fly away. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. What a mess. Um, all right, so... Last week, we did a port story. I just want to sort of explain this a little bit and put this in context. And, you know, sometimes people read a story and they don't always understand um, the full implications of, of what the story is all about. So one of the things I love about having a um, complimentary talk show, which, by the way, in a week, next week, Wednesday, we're going to be celebrating CMR's fifth anniversary. So the party is on, Jared. It's going to be party time in the house. Um, so we're going to have a day of celebrations on that day. It's going to be all about CMR on our anniversary. And we're going to have cash prizes. Ooh, honey, chill. Your opportunity to win some hard, cold cash. We're actually going to put up the promo today. Because you can actually pre-register. Um, oh, we've got a caller to the program. Good morning, caller. How are you? Yes, good morning. Yes, morning. Thank you for calling. Yes, and good morning. Um, Barry here. Um, Hi, look here, I've I've always questioned. I've always questioned, um, to, especially back in my days when we used to go to school, and I don't know if they still offer this, mm -hmm. but this thing called home economics. Mm -hmm. I think, I think if that does, if that still exists, they should abolish that. Mm -hmm. People should learn to cook. People should learn to cook and clean and, and, and do their household at home and replace that with basic economics. Mm -hmm. Because I see where, I see in this country where, okay, you take for instance, I know, I know where the mindset is, and 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 you can easily see where, for example, when people were allowed to get the ten thousand from their from their pension. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all because I, I obviously I would not know that, but I know a lot of people who took that ten thousand and did pure stripperness with it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and instead of instead of possibly paying down debt. Mm -hmm. The people that people that went buy cars mm -hmm. and uh, like clean TVs. Yep. So I think I think one of the fundamental things that is hurting this this country is because our next generation. I'm sad to say, but and God help me if I'm wrong. I, I'm, you know, I, I want to be wrong on this one, but my sole belief is we're going to be in trouble because we are expecting we are the parents today. Now are expecting that. that, that our kids to take care of us. Mm -hmm. In mo in most cases, I'm sorry, it's not gonna ha it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not gonna happen. There, we can be. We already see where the uh, the parents are, are still the child today, taking care. You know, 
the roles are reversed. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to start if 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 that home economic situation still exists. I personally, and I don't mean to be rude, but I think that's a waste of time. If you don't, if you haven't, that's what, if you haven't learned to, and I'll use myself as an example, because one thing about me, I like to be fair across the board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely am not the best cook. Um, um, my own dog would, re- would reject my cooking. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what I'm saying is home economics, you learning how to cook and stuff like that, unless you're going on to tertiary education to become a, I don't know, professional chef or something, I can see where that would come in with a scholarship or something. But meantime, our kids right now needs to learn basic financial management. And that should be taught in the school. I don't even know if, if, if kids are taught today how to balance a checkbook. Mm. Although there's although there's no you know, a lot of people don't I guess don't use checkbook, but nevertheless it can mm-hmm. be it can be passed on to you know, to your everyday um financial movement. So I would like to know I would like to say whoever listening and, 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 and if that if those courses do exist, please consider replacing them with basic economics. Mm-hmm. And I know in some countries um real real things that can that can help people mm-hmm. are deliberately uh not looked upon. I know that. Mm-hmm. That is the fact. You know, yes. and and you and if if we're not teaching basic economics now, hmm. and this country is supposed to be five hundred something years old, you got to question why. Right. You got to question why because is that is that being done deliberately or is that, or is, that, is, that is that seen that is something that can actually, you know, do we do we still continue to graduate idiots and mm-hmm. and and and. and you know, don't know basic. So, you know, I don't want to stay too long, but I just want mm-hmm. to say that for a long time. Yes. I preach it on a daily basis, and this is a good podium to uh, to say this. And mm-hmm. I want to say your program is very good. Thank um, you. like in it, like anything good or bad, or you know, you know, you, you, are you going to get um your hard knocks here and there? Mm-hmm. But um. Without your program, a lot of us wouldn't know a lot of things that's going on in this country. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, Mr. Barry, you too. Bye-bye. So, yeah, I mean, that that caller makes a lot of good common sense. Um, now, I don't I don't know that we have to get rid of Home X in order to offer um, a course on fiscal management, which is basically what he's talking about, right? I think that that should be part of the broader home economics course because listen, home economics isn't just about learning how to sew and cook a meal. You got to be able to afford the things like the food that you're going to put in the meal. So how do you budget? You know, um, all these things I think are really, really important. And I think that the schools definitely have a role to play in teaching kids some of the fundamentals. But again, it comes back to the household because Jared, I'm sure you might agree with me that if you took a course on, on you know, personal finance and budgeting and you got the, the basics down, if you see a household where nobody lives by a budget, where no one has ever told you no every time you wanted something, you know, you, your parents can't really afford that trip to Miami, but by hook or by crook, they're going to not pay the CUC bill. They're going to skip a mortgage payment and do whatever in order to take you to Miami. So you don't even understand as a child that sacrifices have to be made and that you have to delay 
And this is in the, the Ford report. You have to delay instant gratification and these types of things. So it really comes back again to the role of parents. So thank you. Someone says, thank you for today's show. I will read the report. Um, a lot of people are listening to this this morning. We have a school teacher who has chimed in to the conversation. And they said, why doesn't the police start a program where they give positive tickets to young people catching them doing good the tickets could be vouchers to do things like movies and restaurants and inculcate them from the beginning that positive reinforcement to reduce recidivism that this is a fantastic idea that, that's a good idea i do recall minister brian also he, you know there was a video going around where this guy who created different poster stickers stamps mm -hmm. where if you buy one you save up and it, it shows how much money you have mm -hmm. i think you know both of those are good ideas um the, the the general thing is that not everybody is interested in financial management hence why you have different stratas of people but getting back to barry it home yes. economics is still offered at john mm -hmm. ray um when you reach year nine you choose which cxc courses you want to do so mm -hmm. in my case, I chose principles of business because I wanted to own everything. So if, if an, an accountant, so if, if the interest, but, but to be honest, they should be teaching children financial literacy. No, yeah, it part. should be a mandatory course, not an option, I think is what Barry was saying. So this person goes on to say, not a full solution, but a number of solutions together could make a difference. Uh, they said, you hit the nail on the head, Sandra, it's a generational problem. The Webster man's mother was probably molested herself. I mean, I don't know that, but who knows why we're so accepting of this type of behavior. And they were asking where they could find the report. And then they said, never mind, just found it online. It's easy to find folks. Just put in the name, the Yolanda Ford report. Somebody else says, do I want her number? <laughs> because um, she only got paid a few thousand dollars to do the report. And she wanted to stay to implement the findings and no one shows up to the parenting classes. So another. Um, comment there and then someone says crazy you have to get a license have a dog catch a fish drive a car own a boat have a business however um anybody can any moron can have a kid um so there are some sentiments in relation to that um so yes all right let's spend a little bit of time with this port situation because of course you know, we've got to talk about dysfunctionality in all areas of our lives, including certain agencies and governments. Uh, Magdalene supports life skills, uh, teaching about money. Um, Andrea also says, funnily enough, people took their pensions, went on all these staycations, and now they can't even get a booking at some of these hotels. They should have invested that money. Mm -mm -mm. Good morning, Miss Sonia. Yes, honey child, they were taking more staycations than Quaker has oats. And trust me, I was looking on social media and I was vicariously living through them with their staycations. During the COVID pandemic, I took a trip to the BRAC. So I guess maybe you could see that as a staycation, but child, secretly I was working. I was not trying to tell my husband that I was there for work, but he's like, why are you out there uh, going to see customers? I'm like, mm, it was supposed to be family time. So I guess you could kind of count that as a staycation, but I incorporated work and I actually earned some money on my staycation. But I was vicariously living through people, um, hanging out at the Kimpton, all these other places. And I thought, oh, that's so nice. I want to give a shout out to the Westin. 
I actually went to the Westin on Friday. So Jim, if Jim is listening to the program this morning, Jim Maurer, um, thank you so much for your hospitality, for hosting me at the Westin on Friday. So I decided we kind of had a busy weekend as a family. We were going to, you know, um, Gianna had a little friend, Ella, who had a birthday. She just celebrated her first birthday. So we did a function with them on Saturday. And then Sunday, we were celebrating somebody else's birthday on Father's Day. So I thought, um, funny enough, his boss gave him, the boss said, take the day off, Marlon, because he's been working really, really hard. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll take half a day off and we'll go to the spa and we'll do some kind of fun stuff. And so I um, messaged Jim over at the West and he says, don't worry about it. I'll get everything sorted out for you. So we had a nice um, couples massage. Chad, I didn't even know that that room existed. And I've been to the Western spa before. Their spa is fabulous. And I never knew that they had a couples, Jared, listen here now. The couples spa room has like the sauna built, not the sauna, but the, um, the jacuzzi like built right into that room. So you can like get in there first and de-stress and then, you know, come out and they give you your nice massage. And I was like, what? So um, we had a fabulous time. And then after that, we went out uh, in one of the cabanas on the beach. And the beach scene was really, really busy. I must say, I was like, wow, there are a lot of people here. And we, you know, had a little lunch in the, the cabana. Poor Marlon, he fell asleep under the cabana. So he got the opportunity to take a little nap, which is probably priceless for him. Um, so yeah, it was really, really nice. But during the pandemic, I didn't do any staycations, but I saw a lot of people enjoying their life. And that caller was so right about how people were misusing the money. I had people who worked in the banks. They were like, Sandy, people came in, paid off their car loans, right? With this money only to turn around and get another loan. They're like, what sense did that make? You just paid off the car loan, maybe a little bit early. And then what you do is you get in more debt with another high interest car loan when you didn't need a new car. I was like, eh, Jesus, have it make sense. Good morning to Scott. How are you? Uh, Sonia says, very interesting topic. Our young people need to learn how to budget. Um, but it starts in the home. Most of these days, young people are very spoilt. Um, they they want what they want and they start working. They realize money don't grow on trees. That's right. And not only does it not grow on trees, but it, it leaves your hand very, very quickly. Um, I think it's, it's important to let children in particular from a very, very early age know that they can't have everything that they want. And there are limitations um, in life. And sometimes you've got to make sacrifices as well. So now those same people who are complaining about not being able to pay their CUC bills. And I saw them staycationing all over the place during COVID. You know, I'm sitting here scratching my head and I'm like, this don't make no sense. All right, let's talk about the port for a minute. So we did an article last week about this risk and uh, what's it called? Audit and risk committee. And I just want to clarify a few things in relation to this. So what this is, there are concerns, this was June the 17th. There are concerns that the port board has um, over the years overstepped their boundaries. And people have who work at the port have shared this sentiment with us. Um, it seems like there are some people who are now responsible for the port who don't seem to know the history of what has been going on by this board. And it might not be everybody on the board. It could just be a handful of individuals, but those handful of individuals remain as board members. 
So two years ago, the Cayman Islands Port Authority Board decided to indefinitely suspend what is called the Audit and Risk Committee after concerns are raised by the Office of the Auditor General. So we learned that um, after the, the resignation of the acting, uh, sorry, not the acting, I guess he was acting for all those years, yes, um, former port director, Joey uh, Woods, they reinstated. So I think he, he resigned in September of last year. And then by October, they reinstated this committee. And once again, it was being headed up by Jacqueline Scott Rankin. Now, I want to be very clear because we did reach out to the Office of the Auditor General in preparation of the story before we even wrote it. I wanted to know about this, um, what's called the ISA 260 which is the International Standards on Auditing, because it was that section that raised some concerns uh, about what the Port Authority had been doing. But it's not so much that the Port Authority had a risk and audit committee, because we understand that, in fact, although it's not something that is required, it is something that the Auditor General suggests that every authority has in place. But what was happening with their risk and audit committee is they were using that committee to overstep their role as board members. So they were actually, um, it says in a quote here, undertaking operational duties rather than remaining non-executive. And that was flagged by the Auditor General as a significant risk to effective governance and oversight. So in other words, the board is trying to run the port. And they're trying to do things like get involved in HR matters and trying to hire people and all this sort of thing, which that is not the board's remit. Hmm. So what is particularly interesting about this situation is at the time that it was disbanded, the board chair was Mr. Kearney Gomez. He met with Auditor General, and this is in the minutes, right? Sue Winsper, and uh, he had a discussion about her, this matter. Now, I don't know because... The board minutes are very, very light in details. So I don't know what he really took away from his discussion with the Auditor General, but from that, he decided to disband, to permanently suspend this Audit and Risk Committee. My understanding is she didn't tell him to disband it. <laughs> She's like, you need to fix what they're doing with the Audit and Risk Committee, because that what they're doing with the committee is the problem, not the committee that exists in itself, but I guess maybe he was not capable of changing the remit of the people who were running it. And he said, let's just disband it. Now, two people objected to the disbanding of the committee at multiple times. The person who was actually, I guess, uh, heading up the committee, Jacqueline Scott Rankin, and Mr. Parchment. What's his first name again? Uh, oh, gosh. Is it Richard, Richard Parchment? Hold on, I still don't get it for you. So the interesting thing about them is at the very first meeting where it came up about, you know, what, what should we do about this situation? Should we disband it, whatever? Both of them objected. They're like, no, no, don't disband it. Richard Parchment, yes. He's now deputy chair of the board. Um, and they voted against it. And then the second meeting on uh, June the 8th, um, there was a vote to be taken on it. I think that was the first meeting. Then July 30th, they, they actually had a vote on it. And in both instances, Jacqueline, Scott Rankin, and Richard Parchment voted against the motion. 
right? They voted to have it deferred. They were like, no, we shouldn't suspend or disband this committee. Hmm. It said, Deputy Chairman um, Eric Joseph, members Robert Foster, Ashton Bodden supported the chairman's proposal while Jacqueline Scott Rankin and Richard Parchment objected to it being disbanded. Huh. Ken Thompson asked um, what would be the process uh, should a similar occurrence present itself and the chairman advised that there was a number of ways that it could have been dealt with such as using pox to carry out the inquiries and to report to the board which would keep the board out of operational matters. Mr. Joseph suggested that finance and HR departments provide monthly reports and they should be called to the board should there be any questions. Ken Thompson then supported the chairman's request and the deputy chairman, Eric Joseph, suggested another option, which would be to suspend the committee rather than disband it. Miss Jackie Scott Rankin and Mr. Parchment asked for their objections to be minuted. The motion has been deferred until the next board meeting when it will be decided whether to disband or suspend the A&R committee. So the following meeting then was July the 30th. This is back in 2020. And the uh, majority, except for those two individuals, said, yes, let's go ahead and um, indefinitely suspend it. So when they bring it back, now listen to this, Joseph. They bring it back, this committee, they reinstated in October of last year. They don't ever say to other existing board members, and this is where I think this is so interesting, right? They never say to existing board members that, hey, here's the history of this audit and risk committee, that it was brought up by the auditors, uh, the auditor general's office as an issue because it was previously overstepping and it was under the remit of Jacqueline Scott Rankin. They don't say any of that. They don't give the existing board members, who a lot of them are new, any of the history of what transpired with this committee. They just decide to reinstate it. So now the other board members are completely in the dark about what transpired and what some of the criticisms are. Why would, why would they do that? Jared, your guess is as good as mine, I suppose. I guess they have something to hide. Well, um, it, my- seems like, it seems like they, they want a lot of power um, from this port authority that as a board member, they should not be matters that they really should not be involved in. It's, it's very peculiar. And I know that they do get compensated. So when they have these board meetings for this subcommittee, um, the, the audit and risk committee, they get paid for that as well. Mm-hmm. So some people say maybe they're looking to earn a little bit of money from extra meetings. Um, the problem is the audit and risk committee is carrying on business. I understand that the rest of the port board has no clue about because it's not brought to the entire board. Mm-hmm. And once again, they are working very closely with Donovan Hutchinson, who we know has his eyes on being port director one day. And that seems to be supported by certain board members who are particularly close to him. And he's a board member? No, he is an employee at the port. But he sits on this board, apparently. Or he does stuff with this board, him and Jackie uh, Rankin Scott. It's it's interesting. Uh, Mr. Ashton, who voted previously to disband it, did on October the 21st of last year. 
Uh, he was one who actually seconded the motion, which a lot of people found very, very peculiar. And um, there just seems to be a lack of information that has been put in the public and even in relation to other board members being unaware of why it was indefinitely suspended in the first place. It's a little bit shady. Mm -hmm. And so this is a situation that we're going to keep an eye on um, because here's the thing. If they put the A&R committee back in place and nothing has changed, so the same person who was heading it up before, Jacqueline Scott or Rankin Scott, she's now heading it up again. Has she taken a course, which by the way, there were recommendations that board members do training at the port and that has not happened. None of them have done training to understand how boards work and what their remit is and you know what this committee is about. None of that has happened. So they have reinstated a committee that was flagged as problematic in terms of how it was being operated previously. And it's being operated by the same person and there's no training that has been in place and no evidence to support the fact that these board members who were involved in reinstating this have a true appreciation of why it was suspended in the first place. So here we go, repeating history again, right? Preparing to make the exact same mistakes again, wasting time so that the next time the auditor general can come back and say, oh yes, this uh, committee still isn't working and it's still overstepping and undertaking operational duties. They really seem to not get it at that port board. I'm not really sure what the problem is. People argue that it's one or two individuals that are not getting it. Let's hear from this caller. Good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, I love this show. Thank you. I appreciate it, my love. Say hi to Jared for me. Yes, Jared. Caller says hello. Hello. <laughs> What's you on know. your mind? He knows this voice. Oh, he's okay. My, he is my old student. Oh, beautiful. Very nice. Hi, hi Jared. Hi, Mr. Vincent. How are you doing? Good. You know, every morning I try to catch a show, but this morning, because I'm not going on the road, as I, I said, let me try to catch it. Oh, nice. Anyway, we're in the rainy season. Mm -hmm. some, people, some people call it the hurricane season. I don't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the reason quickly mm -hmm. why I don't call it hurricane season. So, prepare it. Okay. Proverbs, Proverbs 18 21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. If you if say it, you might get it. Mm -hmm. So, I call it rainy season, not hurricane season. Mm, I got you. Yes. If you say it, if you say it you might get it. I see. I prefer to call it rainy season. Now Very I'm good. heading. I'm heading somewhere. So stay with me. Okay. No, Jared, know the work I do. No, because we're in the rainy season. For drivers driving on the wet road, if you're Driving along the wet road with first surface and you're approaching a bend. Reduce your speed, but before you get that bend, because breaking a bend is dangerous. Mm -hmm. There should be no sudden movement of the steering 
when you're in the bend. Because some jerky movement of your skin is going to cause it to get in the skin. Mm-hmm. Or no harsh application of the brake or no harsh application of accelerator or add because any one of these I just mentioned is going to cause a skid. Uh-huh. Now, in ordinary layman's term, a skid is when you lose traction on your, if you lose traction on the tires, you're going to get uh-huh. skid. No, I'm going to give you the one that most people can't remember when I tell them. A skid is the involuntary movement of a vehicle due to the grip of the tires on the road surface becoming less than a force or forces acting on the vehicle. Most people don't remember when I say that because it's too long. Right. So in short term, a skid is when the vehicle loses traction on the road surface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's short and sweet. Mm-hmm. No, I have another one for you. So I need you to put your phone on calculator. I'm going to move fast, so learn fast. Okay. Most people are getting their vehicle from Japan. And you know, when you get your vehicle from Japan, these vehicles are coming kilometers per hour. Uh-huh. But our speed limit in Cayman is in miles per hour. Yes. And you know, you don't want the police to get you when you're... You travel not long Linford Pearson, which is 40 miles per hour. Uh-huh. And Linford Pearson, a portion is in 40 miles per hour. Down uh-huh. below where they're doing the road works, changes to 25 miles per hour. Uh-huh. No, I have one for you, Miss Jackie. Not Jack, Miss Sandra. Uh-huh. Where, I get, where did I get Jackie from? Anyway. Because you just heard me talking about Jackie. <laughs> Yeah. It was still yes. it was still in your head. No worries. <laughs> yes. Anyway, as, as I said, I'm going to teach fast. Don't want to take off too much of your time. Learn fast because I'm going to teach fast. Okay. One kilometer is five bits of a mile. Mm-hmm. No, I want you to tell me the fraction five bits. What's that in decimal? Oh Lord, Jared. If you if you don't know, tell me. Um, let, let, Jared, let Jared tell you. Yes, Jared, you're going to have to do this one. I, my I, don't, brain... I, I don't know you. Now. You're going to have to tell me. Teacher, he's like, I taught you that, Jared. Can I tell you don't, something, don't. teacher? My brain, I was actually saying this just yesterday to someone. My brain does not work in kilometers. The only thing that I ever think of when somebody says kilos to me is cocaine. That's the only thing I know about in kilos, but I have no oh. reference point because I grew up in the American system. So we know pounds and ounces. Yes. No, and no. <laughs> Anyway, what we're doing is I'm teaching her to change. So Al, uh, some of our listeners are smart though. Al Ray some says 0.6. Al Ray says 0.6. Amori says 0.625. Don't, don't do me that. It's 0.625. Don't yes, do 0.625. Amori. Wow. She's on it. I told you before we had to put your phone on in calculator and then we'll be moving fast because I don't want to make much of your time. Yes. Okay, so now you have your phone on calculator? Um yes, go ahead. Let's Calcul- move. <laughs> Jared, do your calculations. Uh no, if you're on the for Pearson the portion from down by Kings, uh-huh. going going up there is 40 miles for us. So you want to change 40 miles per hour to kilometers. It's 40 divided by 0.625. If you don't get 64, put your phone in the garbage bin. Mm-hmm. 
Did you get 64? Yes, yes, I got 64. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Now, listen. The cars from Japan, you're not going to see 64 on the, on the speedometer. So do 60 kilometers. So you're still within the speed limit. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Now, as you go further up where the NRA are doing their work, we don't get around that roundabout. We have crossed by Agnes Way going down. They are doing their work down there. Public works, not public works. NRA guys are doing their work. You're going to see speed limit, a science here, speed limit 25. Means 25 miles per hour. 25 divided by 0.625. Talk to me. Jared? If you don't get 40, 40. we got 40. We got 40. Uh -huh. I, I got 40. So you're going to do 40 kilometers. Uh -huh. Good. All right. So on your speedometer, in your kilometer vehicle that you get from Japan, uh -huh. get in those Hondas and those Toyotas, you're good. So them guys from traffic not going to get your speed in. Uh -huh. No. When they finished all that work down between Bobby Thompson and changed up back now, uh -huh. going down going down to Alder Avenue by Smith Road, uh -huh. it, they're gonna put back the speed limit back to 35. Because when, when all that work is finished, uh -huh. 35 miles per hour, 35 divided by 0.625. Uh -huh. 35 56. 56 is correct. Good. Mm. And you know, when you're, when you're on Walker's Road, whether that is flashing, when school children, school children are out and that, that is flashing, you should drive at 15 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. Now, normally it's 25 miles per hour, but if the light is flashing, 15 divided by 0.625, the traffic guy is going to get you if you're not doing. 24, 15 divided by 0.625 is 24 kilometers. Now you know you can't see, you can't see 24 on your clock. Mm -hmm. So you have a gauge somewhere there right, between 25 and, but you can't see 25 when you're on those Japanese vehicles, you can't see no 25. The range there between, because this Japanese vehicle, the clocks you don't see the, the range is between 10 20 uh -huh. so you just make sure you keep it a little bit below so that the traffic guys will not get you because you know speed tickets are expensive every mile of the limit is 20 dollars you know uh -huh. okay as if you're picking up speed tickets for $400, $400. Can you imagine you're going to take that out of your grocery bill? Mm -hmm. To go and pay speed tickets? That's yes. crazy. Okay. So you get all the information about negotiating corner there on wet road. Reduce the speed before you get into the bend. There should mm -hmm. be no breaking on a bend. Mm -hmm. You're going to get into a skid. Mm -hmm. So all braking should be done on the street. No braking while it's going around a bend. 
Okay, that's enough for me today. All right. We appreciate it. Okay. Thank you so I much. Not, I, will not, I will not tell you who I am. Jared did tell you who I am. <laughs> we'll find out more. Don't worry. All right. All right, my dear. I give you a little hint. I did traffic for 30 years. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you. All right, dear. Bye-bye. So a little bit of traffic, uh, some traffic um, advice this morning. So BE Bank says they need to post both kilometers and miles per hour on the signs. I said that 25 years ago. Yes, it is. It is peculiar because we are obviously, because 80% of our visitors are coming from the North American market or signs or miles per hour. But a lot of people are, you know, in their brains, I guess, thinking kilometers because they were brought up in that system. And as the caller pointed out, we have cars, vehicles. Listen, Hondas are the number one vehicles in Cayman and they're brought in from 99.9% of them are brought in from the Asian market, which means it's all in kilometers per hour. So um, funny enough, it's so interesting that this caller should have brought this up this morning because I was in a Honda yesterday looking at a, a car at Car City and I said, do you guys still have the stickers? Because I remember way back in the day when I had I think it was my Integra that I had. They put the little sticker on there. Or was it my Honda CRV? I can't remember, but they put the little sticker in there to tell you what the conversion was for certain key, like 20 miles per hour is whatever in kilometers. And it helps because like I said, me personally, I have no reference for kilos at all. The only thing that comes to my mind when I hear kilos is cocaine. Because I think that's the only way that they measure cocaine. Like, I don't know. But everything is like, oh, he had 20 kilos of cocaine. I'm like, okay, I don't know how much that really is, but sounds like a lot, <laughs> you know? So anyway, caller, thank you for that. So we'll continue to monitor um, the situation over at the port. It's just super interesting that this committee has been revitalized, um, the A&R, the Audit and Risk Committee. And, um, you know, no, no publication or understanding if the committee members really understand what the committee is supposed to do and what their remit should be. So what we understand that um, the, the ARC is what it's called committee should look at is financial statements, audit reports, business risk, but at a strategic level, and it does not include getting into detailed HR matters and other things where they're trying to micromanage uh, these boards. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on the port situation. Child, they know that we're keeping an eye on them because they hear us talking all the time. So scammers, let's talk a little bit about this as we are quickly running out of time. So as you saw from today's headline, uh, we have received reports from numerous people. Child, I had to blur this one out. At first I didn't blur it out. My husband was like, Sandy, they curse words in that. And I was like, there is? <laughs> So um, here it is. Um, they started by, this person said, good day. Sorry to bother you, but I got an emergency and I needed just $10 digital credit to renew my data plan. Please send, and they got the phone number so I can renew my plan and naked video call you. Like what the hell? So this goes hand in hand with what the police have been saying about this extortion thing and explain everything emergency. So can you help? Yes or no. Well, what I can tell you is this person start off by saying, listen, yeah, you dirty John Crow. <laughs> and it went downhill from there. So they might have used a few choice words. 
But they were like, listen, yeah, you dirty John Crow, come off my BBC phone and uh, yay, yay. So that person told them off in spectacular um, fashion. And then they had another number. So these are numbers coming out of Jamaica. And I don't know if you can see this. Um, <laughs> I, I almost have to show it to you. But anyway, uh, it's, it's an adult response and then they're all coming out of jamaica the eight seven six numbers and another one the exact same message was sent from another number and this one says stop blank texting my phone you fill in the blank it was a curse word um so this one says listen you dirty john crow you see me look like blank digicel if you text my number again <laughs> asking for credit i will find you and shoot up your blank I'm damn bright and blank out of order. I like how they got order. O-R-D-A. Out of O-U-T-A. Out of order. <laughs> so they were, they were not fooling anyone with this. Um, but let me tell you something. The scammers game is on high alert, Jared. It is crazy. Clearly scamming people must be a profitable business. Because otherwise people wouldn't be engaged in it. And in Cayman, we have people from overseas trying to scam you here. So like these numbers, these are people talking about they need digital credit and they're going to send you sex videos or whatever. Don't fall for it. You don't know who that person is. Um, in this instance, the, the um, profile pictures with some woman like in a lingerie and looking sexy, that's probably a man who's behind that number. They just look in free digital credit. Do not fall for it. We have people in the Cayman Islands who are equally scamming people. Immigration scams. Ooh, we need to do a whole show on that. People taking out work permits. They're making them the employee pay for the work permit. They're charging them a fee on top of it. And then they're charging them a weekly or monthly fee to hold their work permit. So poor people here trying to make a few dollars and being scammed by others with this whole work permit situation. And they must pay them. Up front, they pay for their own work permit. They pay a processing fee, right? And then every month to be able to remain in the Cayman Islands, you must give them money. Yo, it needs to stop. Yeah. It is the, against the law. All of that is against the law. Yeah, organized crime is, is something that's very prevalent um, across the world. However, um, people need to be vigilant. You know, if somebody say, oh, you need to pay a bill, please check with your authority or your public service, call them to make sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's Ray says that men are falling for it because they want to see them dirty pictures and videos. What? Oh my gosh, y'all don't have no sense if you're falling for this kind of foolishness. Folks, do not fall for it. There was a day, I remember back in the day, they used to use MSN Messenger and Skype and stuff like that. And they were convincing men to that the man must get naked and show them whatever. And then what they would do is they were recording it and then they would take that and um, and basically uh, like extort you. Yeah. Yeah. Say, oh, if you don't want me to post this on social media or send this around to people in your community, you got to send me five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. And some of y'all ain't got nothing to, to, to be showing off when you're naked. So keep it to yourself. Nobody don't want to see it. And it's easy to extort people with that kind of video. So do yourselves a favor, folks, if any stranger, and listen, not even stranger, I've been saying this to young people for about 15, 20 years now, 
If you have a boyfriend or you have a little guy that you're interested in, he's like, oh, send me a naked picture. Don't do it. Young yeah. people, old Human people, middle-aged people, that. do not do it. You know what you must tell him? This is what I would tell him. You want to see it? Come see it in person. No photos, no videos. Okay? Don't be fooling for the, don't be falling for the foolishness because we have seen even on this small island, it's happened to teenagers, it's happened to adults where, you know, they send out a video or a picture of someone, it ends up all over the island and everybody know what your parts look like. And trust me, people are going to share it just out of curiosity and they'd be like, oh my God, what a scandal. Mm -hmm. But it's really not a situation where most people need to see your private parts, not at all. Up to yesterday, I got a video of some model allegedly, I don't know who she is, I've never seen her in my life, in Jamaica in a compromising situation. And I was like, why would she do that? Is that Miss World? That the lady that was I don't know Miss who, I, I don't know she who she is. Popcorn or something like that. I have no you how you know about this video? Is that it? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know I don't know who she is, so I can't say. Um was it like a lot of police? She had her hair in braids? Kind of blonde braids. I don't know. It said top model in Jamaica. And apparently they did some show. So supermodel gets busted giving blah, 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 blah. But why would you allow, allow someone to record this, record you in such a compromising position? Just don't do it. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not the morality police when it comes to this sort of thing, because y'all are freaky, freaky. And I understand the need for some of y'all to be freaky. As long as it's with a consenting adult, I don't really get involved in it, right? But I think when someone starts asking you for footage, um, you, that is where you need to, you know, you, you should, your little spider senses should be going off and you should be like, no, this don't sound right. What are you going to be doing with this footage? It will always come back to bite you. There, there's some young people right now, folks, um, who, you know, unfortunately, um, have been caught in that situation. And it's the kind of thing that you never live down. Like when it happens 10 years later, people see you and they'd be like, Oh, remember when that naked picture of you and your JJ was circulating all over WhatsApp or whatever. It's embarrassing. So it happens mostly to young girls and women. Um, not so much men. I don't know why, but you know, I've seen a couple of men. I've seen a couple. Listen, I saw some allegedly of politicians during the last election. And I was like, oh, honey child, I don't want to see this little thing. And I do mean little. But anyway, I said, listen, I have no way of knowing if this is what this person's manhood looks like because I've never seen it. So I can't vouch for this. Um, I do know that it was in circulation and it was being alleged that it was a certain elected official. How scandalous. And guess guess who sent it out, Jared? Just take a while, guess. One of the Spanish girls he was checking, who was trying to make some money during the election. She's like, oh, it's election cycle, a lot of money being sent around. And of course, people who were um, running against him were very interested in the photo. And I said, listen to me, only a handful of people, maybe more than a handful, I don't know, can tell you if that's who they say it is. Because it was like, waist down. I didn't see no head. So that would be the Spanish girl that sent it out. His wife, potentially, because he is married. And maybe he's got other side pieces. I mean, I don't know, but I'm not one of them. So I can't vouch for if that's so-and-so. 
Well, good luck. There was supposedly a video that never made it out. So I don't know. Uh, Jonathan reminds us that Kim Kardashian got famous from her scandal. Yeah, but y'all not know Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Take my advice. You're not a Kim Kardashian. Her mom and you had to flip that into a billion dollar family business now. Y'all not gonna have that kind of luck. So don't ruin your reputation thinking you're going to be the next Kim K because it ain't happening. Uh, B.E. Bank says on the work permit scam, why is works allowing work permit holders to obtain work permit for persons they have no work for? Where is the enforcement? Well, we're going to talk about that. Let's spend some time talking about that tomorrow, B.E. Banks, because there's a lot of reasons why um, that is actually happening. And you would be shocked to know that immigration can't do anything about it until number one, the permit is actually submitted. And number two, the person has to come forward and said, this is what's happening to me. Uh, Chris is listening to the show. He says, Sandy, you too bad. I know. Weeby says, you're killing me today. Killing you softly. Uh, Jonathan says, you got to have a real mandingo to be internet famous. Bobo listeners, we will catch y'all tomorrow morning. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels. And visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. Jonathan, I don't know about that because um, <laughs> I've seen some pictures of some mandingos and trust me, as a woman, no woman's really interested in that. that. That's excessive. Okay. So it might make you internet famous just to look at, but most women are going to be like, ooh, stay away from that. Paul, good morning. He says, good morning, Sandra and CMR. Interesting fact. I drive a Hyundai Accent speedometer is in miles per hour and kilometers per hour. Really? All speed signs in Bermuda. Did I say it right this time? Where's the, where's the pronunciation, please? Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah. 35 kilometers an hour is the legal speed limit, and 50 kilometers an hour is the official speed limit. So your car is in both, like from the factory? Or did they put a little sticker on it. Cause what they do here, Paul, we have vehicles that are both right-hand drive, left-hand drive, European vehicles. And then we have American vehicles. Now, interestingly enough, some of the European vehicles say for, say for example, Mercedes, right? I only know this cause I happen to drive one. They, although they're a European car, they are able to order the miles per hour on their speedometer, which is kind of interesting. I customize it. Yeah, so they come with miles per hour. They don't come in kilometers per hour, although they are coming from Europe and they are, is that right hand? Yeah, they are right hand drive. So it's kind of weird, but the Hondas don't do that wherever they order them from. Um, oh, Soka's right there. She's like, yep, I'm listening to you. <laughs> oh, pronunciation, please. Um, so yeah, the Hondas don't really do that, but I do remember, like I said, I've had a couple Hondas and they do put like the little sticker on there which makes it a lot easier. Anyway, honey child, I got a hair appointment today. 
So make sure y'all tune in this evening at 7.30 to see the, the lovely hairdo. It is Premier Access Wednesday, 7.30. Se no, 7 o'clock. It's 7, right? It's 7. It's supposed to be 7. 7 o'clock with Premier Pampton. So um, uh, Paul says, yes, it came from the factory like that. That's interesting. So yes, um, tune in this evening with Premier Pampton. Jared, have a beautiful day. I'll see you at 7 o'clock. The Cold Hard Truth now has your premiere access with Premier Panton. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mall Road's premiere access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency answering your questions down to earth accountable and accessible to who matters you don't miss premier access on the cold hard truth spilling the tea like no one else